eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is the Bama Online Podcast, this time on a Monday, May the 17th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by longtime beat reporter for us there at BLL, Mr. Charlie Potter. Charlie, I trust you're coming off just a fantastic, absolutely terrific weekend. It wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't too busy. What, mean, what kind of standard is that, Charlie? <laughs> it wasn't bad? Come on, Charlie. Well, I didn't do a lot, and that's well, that's okay. just good. Nothing bad uh, about that. You're right. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, heck, you look at the past year, there's been a lot of not doing anything, but I, I really didn't do anything. <laughs> a um, new level of doing nothing. Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, the past year. Oh, I've, okay. I've, I got I've you. Finally yeah. I've decided to get off my ass and try to get back in shape. <laughs> so that's where the, the, it wasn't oh. comes into account. Like it's not fun, but hopefully it'll benefit me down the road because I was, um, very stagnant, uh, over uh-huh. the past year during lockdown. So I'm, I'm finally getting around to, to doing some stuff, but that, that was my weekend chilling and, you know, trying to drop a few pounds. Yeah, you know, that's the good thing for you, Charlie, is you're still at an age where you can kind of jump back into that mode (laughs) and you can see some results at least relatively quickly. You know, when you get into those early 50s like me, it becomes it's discouraging, man. You know, your brain is like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's get on the treadmill. Let's get on the bike. Let's go for walks. The other day, actually, as we talked about on my radio show last Friday, attempted a pull up for crying out loud. I'm still feeling it. You know, it's Monday afternoon. I attempted a pull up Charlie on Friday morning and I'm still somewhat incapacitated by a damn pull up. That's where we're at. I, I've, I've tested the, um, the doorways in the, the house. I don't really feel comfortable doing them on there. That's, that used to be my go-to, you know, like, Oh yeah. College kid. You'll just walk through the doorway the bar up. Yeah. yeah, or just grab but the frame. Sure. Exactly. I haven't I haven't tested to see how many I can do yet. I'm I'm very nervous after I mentioned <laughs> ten and you acted like that was a lot. Now I'm just I don't even know what it's going to be. I'm just jealous. It's not that I don't believe you. I'm just jealous, Charlie. That's all I'm saying. But I will add, if you are gonna attempt to do that, we'll try to get a camera crew set up <laughs> and perhaps uh go live. Facebook live on the 
Bama online <laughs> Facebook page with Charlie doing pull-ups because I, I would, I wouldn't even try, you know, at this point, but, but at least, at least you're willing to give it an effort. You know, it's, uh, it's good, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of getting into that time and hopefully not that this whole situation is totally cleared up, but certainly feeling better about getting out, doing things, um, you know, and just, uh, just getting back into a mindset of a daily routine, man, uh, as much as anything. And so when we talk about daily routines, uh, right now we're talking a lot about spring sports at the university of Alabama. I know on the round table over the weekend, and certainly as a part of our coverage, Alabama baseball on the road at LSU, Alabama softball with a magical run at road stadium through the SEC tournament. I guess a couple of teams, though, Charlie, look like they might be headed a little bit in different directions as we get closer and closer to true postseason play. Yeah. Um, what the softball teams won 13 in a row. They look really mm-hmm. strong there to, to close out the, the SEC tournament with a shutout win over Florida um, and then get the number three overall seed in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I mean, they're. They're in a good spot. Uh, I will say the the baseball team. I mean, for them to go to Baton Rouge and get a win, that's that's big. Um, you know, they they almost let it slip away on Saturday, but get a six five win was was big. And then, you know, it, it's it's strange. It's 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 hard to pinpoint. You know, what's going on with Connor Prelip? You know, he started the game on Sunday and only lasted an inning. And they lose thirteen to five to to the Tigers. But um, you know, it's. You look at just the the draw Alabama had to, to close this season. Vanderbilt, LSU, Mississippi State. It, it's not very easy right there before the SEC tournament. So um, while they are, I do agree, uh, they're, they're not exactly in the same stratospheres at this moment. Uh, tough pull for the baseball team, and, and maybe they can go and uh, squeeze out a win in Tuscaloosa in this regular season finale against Mississippi State this weekend. What do you think at 12 and 14 in the league and kind of where they sit in the mid twenties of RPI Mississippi state coming into Tuscaloosa this weekend, not a happy club after dropping two of three at home over the weekend in Starkville to a subpar Missouri team. What do you think Alabama needs this weekend and maybe an early round play at the sec tournament there in Hoover to, to qualify for an NCAA regional bid? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you need to at least win one. That's, that's, you know, again, I mean, I know Mississippi State uh, didn't have a great weekend this past weekend, but that usually leads to the team coming in and, and playing some pissed off ball. So to get a win, I think, would be big. Um, you know, going into to Hoover, I don't really, you know, you have to see how the matchups work out. Um, it's starting to become clearer and clearer, obviously, with the season coming to the end. But, you know, I, I've seen some projections that has Alabama as like the, the eighth or ninth best team in the league which I mean, that's obviously uh, subjective, but um, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know this team, I, it, it's been as someone that keeps up with all these game threads. I know people are frustrated, but you know, like the softball team, they've been plagued by injuries. You know, we mentioned Connor Prelip. You have Antoine Jean dealing with stuff too. Um, for them to even be in the mix, given what they've had to go through, I think says a lot. I think they need to be, obviously more consistent but um yeah i mean i think getting at least one win this weekend and then hope for some good luck in hoover you know maybe it'll set them up for getting some good news come postseason play yeah they're sort of in that same conversation just in terms of the league 
with some teams like Georgia that is right there and the overall standings kind of middle of the pack. Uh, you've got LSU now sort of in that realm, Kentucky also in that realm. And all three of those teams have tough series. Not that there's ever an easy series. It doesn't seem like in the sec, but for example, Georgia hosts Ole Miss LSU goes to Texas A&M Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt. So if it is sort of an eight bid league, maybe nine, you know, if Alabama can kind of hold its place right now in that pecking order might be in good shape to snap that streak of NCAA regionalists, uh, region less, I guess I trying to say seasons, uh, in Tuscaloosa. Hey, let's talk about roster season because that's kind of what it is, Charlie, when you get into Alabama football and, Alabama men's basketball, a particular note. And whereas the addition of Jack Martin as a transfer punter was a scholarship punter also there at Troy uh, to the roster as a preferred walk on doesn't impact things in terms of those numbers. And, you know, we'll look at Alabama men's hoops and Josh Primo, it seems like continues to emerge as you uh, showed us on the website Monday with the latest mock that you uh, alluded to there or pointed to uh, in your update on Josh Primo. Uh, still some things to figure out from a roster perspective as far as numbers go. Yes, we we understand, especially where Nick Saban is concerned. Things tend to work out. But you do add Henry Toa here recently, you would think, to that tally uh, from the football perspective. So where does that leave Nick Saban's team right now as far as trying to get to that 85 uh, as we look ahead to August? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I did some um, kind of reflective pieces of, of what Jamison Williams and Henry Toa Toa, what their additions mean to their respective position rooms. And of course, I quickly made sure to include, you know, where the scholarship number stands. I know that's what people are interested in at this time of year, getting down to that uh, magical 85. And when you add Jamison Williams and Henry Toa Toa to the mix, they're at 89. And that uh, include or that doesn't include um, Brian Robinson and, and Chris Owens, who are those two super seniors that you know elected to to come back and take advantage of you know the NCAA's blanket eligibility waiver. Um, I will say, you know, it it's a good spot to be in. Um, I, I think that people can kind of pinpoint, you know, where some areas might be that you can see some attrition. I never like to guess, just because you know kids change their mind all the time, um, but. You know, we already saw a couple of people uh, leave at the cornerback spot with Ronald Williams and, and Brandon Turnage. And I think that's eight transfers either during or after the season. And all of those guys have, have landed at Power 5 schools. So that, that kind of tells you just the, the lure of Alabama players. But they're 89 right now. I will say that's not including uh, Jerez Parts, the outside linebacker. Um, you know, he hasn't made anything public at this point, but, you know, the, the rosters that were released all the rosters that I saw in the spring he wasn't listed and I think things are leaning toward him not being a part of the team that's not official yet but I think it's at least worth mentioning uh so right now football's at 89 they have four to go um like you said though um one thing I've learned covering this team Nick Saban he always finds a way to make it work out so I, I don't think people should lose any sleep over it um you know the transfer portals the the new norm in college football you know, free agency now is, is, is here. You have the, the one-time transfer rule. We'll see what the SEC chooses to do in terms of interconference transfers, even though we've seen a couple of Alabama players now 
you know, choose to, to transfer to SEC schools. And, of course, Henry Toa Toa come from Tennessee. But there's still work to do. But, uh, again, I, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over it. What about with men's hoops and Josh Primo? And this is, I guess, kind of the momentum. We'll find out exactly how real it is in the coming days and weeks, I guess. He still has some time before – good bit of time before he has to make a, a final decision on whether or not he stays in the draft process or – decides to head back to Tuscaloosa but early indications are yeah this is a young young player but he's also six foot six shot the three last season at nearly a 40 percent clip and is projectable at multiple positions at the next level so is it kind of trending the way you thought it might given the physical attributes and the upside that this guy brings to the table and and, and where is Alabama at in terms of roster numbers and scholarship numbers with or without Primo? Right now, yeah, they're win over. Um, and so if, if he chooses to enter the draft, that works everything out. They would be at the magical 13 number. And, yeah, I, you know, the, the NBA draft is a lot different than the NFL because, you know, you're uh, you have players that have a limited – amount of, of film really i mean there's a lot of one and dones in this case um you have teams or players from overseas and you, you have a guy like primo who um while he did play a lot last season um you know he averaged you know less than 10 points a game i think he has alabama's fifth leading score but he's someone that's you know considered in the the top 25 in some people's mock drafts and you know, i looked at bleach report this morning and, and jonathan wasserman who uh released one a new mock draft after the conclusion of the NBA's regular season, he had Primo at number 25 to the Denver Nuggets. And it's it's all about upside in this regard, because I think people see um, maybe what he can be down the road and you take a flyer on that. And um, I, I think Primo has NBA potential. Would it make sense for him to come back and maybe hone in on those skills a little bit more, one more year in Tuscaloosa? Of course. But if you're in a situation to where, you're being projected in the first round and you can get that guaranteed money. You know, NATO's just said it since he took the job. You know, you, you do that. Um, you, you do what's best for you. He's not going to deter a player um, away from a guaranteed NBA contract to come back and play one more year. So I think that's something to watch moving forward. Uh, you said it, though. It, it's still, you know, there's a while before uh, he has to make a decision. The deadline to or for early entrance to withdraw is, is July 19th. So plenty of time, you know, more than two months from, from today. But, um, you know, it doesn't sound like any other Alabama players are going to enter the NBA draft and test those waters. We know Jaden Shackelford already has, but you know, the way that Natos was kind of talking when we heard from him uh, at the Regents Tradition Pro-Am, you know, he kind of made it sound like he thought Shackelford would be back and nobody else would, would test the waters. So, We'll see what happens with Primo. There's a lot of pre-draft buzz, but if he does stay in, then they would be, you know, the, the roster would be set for the upcoming season and they wouldn't have to, you know, see somebody else out the door. And just as we'll say that in, in talking about a scenario in which Primo isn't around, we'll also hear that Brian Hodgson, Nate Oates, Antoine Petway, that staff are in on a transfer possibility for <laughs> 2021-2022, just when we think it's all cemented and figured out. But, uh, yeah, it's always always intriguing to keep up with the roster news for Alabama football and men's basketball. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we're going to go in-depth on today's topic, 
that we've chosen. The question that we will ask of each other, will Alabama football average 45 or more points per game for a fourth straight season? There are some crazy stats over these last three or four years for Alabama football, but averaging 45 or more over the last three campaigns is right up there with the nuttiest. We'll do that with Charlie Potter when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast back with more of the bama online podcast travis ryer alongside charlie potter cruising through a monday edition of the pod and charlie let's get into it we talk about it seems like on a weekly basis, it seems it, it, it it's like we talk about well, this stat is maybe the craziest of all stats. Whether thirty nine first round picks in the Nick Saban era compared to twenty three losses in the Nick Saban era, that one's certainly uh, got its maybe own special place. But there's another one too, and you know when you think about Alabama football under Nick Saban, and you go back to the start of his tenure and how this program was so based upon. Hard-nosed defense, a physical running attack, uh, even through 2015 with Derrick Henry and that team, uh, Derrick winning the second Heisman Trophy under Nick Saban's watch. You kind of thought you had things figured out, but the game itself has certainly changed a lot. Nick Saban has been outspoken with his thoughts on that. At the same time, he hasn't been hesitant to adjust and adapt. And so here we are talking about whether or not Alabama will average 45 points or more per game for a fourth straight season. And look, there's some variables that are in play there. You're not just talking about the offensive side of the ball, right? Because we know the defense has contributed more and special teams have contributed points on a, on a pretty consistent basis under Nick Saban. Yeah, and that's really one of the first things I wrote down is that Alabama's defense looks to be uh, maybe the strength of the team going forward. And, you know, you go back to that 2015 defense, it seemed like, you know, it, it was tough to keep track of those non-offensive touchdowns. And uh, not only is the defense better in the fact that they can maybe get the ball back to the offense quicker, but yeah, I mean, just from a turnover standpoint, you have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball and, and they can 
you know, scoop and score, um, you know, pick off passes and take those to the house. So I, I think that definitely should be in uh, consideration. But I mean, offensively, I, I think the pieces are also there to continue that. Um, obviously, you know, the A day game, I think people look to that and maybe have questions or concerns about the offense, but you got to take into account there was no John Mechie, no Brian Robinson, no Emil Ekior. You know, Jamison Williams was just uh, committed after, you know, the 8A game was, was over after the spring was over. And I think he'll be, you know, in the mix, of the wide receiver position. So you're without several key pieces there. And, um, you know, the offensive line, you know, you, you're, you're trying to figure things out there, you know, the wide receiver core again, um, you know, you'll have the, the full extent of that with guys healthy and available and not working with the twos. So I, I think the pieces are there. To, they just need to, to mesh a little better. And then I think, obviously, of course, it, it starts with Bryce Young. I think he has all the talent in the world. Um, you know, Can he lead this offense and continue to, to uh, put points on the board? I think so. It's just a matter of, you know, we'll, we'll see what it looks like against Miami. So I, I think there's plenty of reasons for believing Alabama can do this. I think there are a few against it as well, but I think you mentioned it. It, it doesn't get brought up enough, but the defense um, with its ability to be dominant and get off the field on third down, get the ball back to this offense, give them more opportunities. That's big, but then also their ability to score as well. So it's not just the offense, which I think is capable, but you're right. I mean, the, the defense can play a big hand in that as well. Yeah, I think they're going to have to, uh, as you outlined there for us in terms of putting the offense on the short field at times. It, again, it's not that I don't think uh, that Bryce Young and, and some of these emerging skill guys aren't going to prove to be more than capable. It's just that, you know, these three last, these last three seasons we're talking about, again, we're talking about personnel that we think right now anyway was for kind of all time with Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Najee Harris. Uh, you know, you can go on and on. Henry Ruggs III, uh, even if you want to go back to 2018, Irv Smith Jr., maybe Jalil Billingsley uh, becomes more of that type of option at tight end. It's just when you talk about that type of personnel, the first thing I think of is explosive play production. And that's where I still need to see a lot of of that from this Alabama offense. I mean, you're talking about two guys last year, two guys in Najee Harris and Devonte Smith that together combined to produce 145 plays from scrimmage of 10 yards or more in 13 games. So every game you could almost count on between just Najee Harris and Devonte Smith, you could count on 11 plays from scrimmage of, of 10 yards or more. And as we know, a lot of those either uh, set up points or directly resulted in a change to the scoreboard. So, you know, that's where I'm, I'm left to kind of search here and that's understanding. I think John Mechie can be that kind of guy at wide receiver, but you, know, you just wonder about the rest of that wide receiver core. And I understand it was spring game. Okay. Alabama was about as vanilla as, Bluebell or anything else you could think of uh, in the spring game. But still, you know, when you look at the production at wide receiver just in that scrimmage, you know, most of your explosive plays came from the tight end position. Cameron Latou, two catches, 65 yards, one of 59. Um, 
Jalil had that type of output, not to the extent of uh, Latou, but he averaged 16.3 yards per catch. You know, even the backs gave you some of that. He had a, a 21-yard pickup by Jace McClellan in the passing game. Roydell Williams had a catch for 47 yards. That's all well and good, and it all goes into the, the big pot that you're looking to, to sort of put together there. But these wide receivers, is a Jai Hall going to be one of those guys? Um, Treshawn Holden, you love his catch production, nine for 89 in the spring game, but is he going to be a vertical dude? Uh, Slade Bolden, kind of the same way, five for 56. Uh, you know, a lot of guys in the spring game at wide receiver in that sort of nine to 10 yard per catch range until you get to Jai Hall on the Crimson team back in April. But that's where I probably would start in terms of can this team maintain that sort of pace is where's the explosiveness, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I have a, a little legal pad right here beside me that I jotted things down. And do you have a number two pencil? No, I have a pen. Um, I'm not that big of a nerd, but (laughs) (laughs) for the against column, the first thing I, I wrote down is just a ton to replace because you outlined it really well. Um, the explosive ability of the team with, with Smitty and, and Najee Harris and Jalen Waddell. Um, and, I, and I think also just the guys up front to give Mac Jones the time to, to get the ball to those guys. I think for me, the biggest questions I have about this offense are up front on the offensive line and getting the, the best five players you can for them to mesh and to, to make up for what was a, a great offensive line this past season. And then out wide at wide receiver, you know, can they get the, the right mix of guys on the field to, to help? Uh, Bryce Young out. I think tight end and, and running back are strengths of this team. Um, and, I, and I think guys like Billingsley and Latou, uh, they give them a much better one-two punch from a receiving standpoint than they've had a co- in the last couple seasons. I think you know Najee Harris was unbelievable, but guys like Jace McClellan and Keelan Robinson kind of have that home run ability where Najee didn't. And I think that's big uh, for this offense. But for me, I, I think it, it, it sits on the wide receivers. Can John Mechie, you know, take that next step? And we saw him be a, a deep play threat for Alabama this past season. You know, can the guy like Jamison Williams with the speed that he brings to the table add to that mix? Can a Jai Hall, you know, continue this hype train and, and be a contributor, you know, in the fall guys like Javon Baker and, and Treshawn Holden and Slade Bolden, um, you know, can they be consistent enough to raw for uh, Bryce Young to rely on them? in the passing game. I think that's, that's big. And uh, another thing too, is if maybe, you know, and that's to be expected, you have, you know, the past two years, you have four wide receivers taking the first round. There's going to be a bit of a drop off at the position. That's just human nature at this point. I think that with that, that maybe they lean on the running game a little bit more because Nick Saban said it in the spring that the, the running back group is a strength of this team and with Brian Robinson back with Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, if you get a healthy Trey Sanders, Keelan Robinson, that's a ton of talent in that running back room. Maybe they lean on the running game a little bit more to help out Bryce and a, you know, still developing passing game. And when you lean on your running game, you, you milk the clock a little bit. You're not able to put up as many points. So I think that's something to, to take into account. I, I think they, again, they have the pieces for this offense to be productive you know, to, to win games, but it's to be expected that there might be a bit of a drop off just given how much production they're losing and maybe what they would in term trying to 
counter that lost production with, you know, maybe leaning on the running backs, using the tight ends a little bit more. And that would maybe dial back on some of those explosive plays you were talking about. And that lines up with, as we've talked about, the true strength of your team, which is the defense. I mean, it kind of is retro in a way, run the football, play good defense, kick the ball, especially well with Will Reichard coming back, maybe Jack Martin, uh, the new addition there at punter is part of that equation in the kicking game as well after he helped Troy lead the nation in 2020 in net punting. Um, Again, we're talking about a drop-off from an unprecedented three-year stretch in not just Alabama football history, but in large part college football history in general, certainly at the SEC level. So, you know, that's the bar that this team is trying to ascend to. And with the personnel losses, it's probably not fair and or realistic to think coming out the gates against Miami on September the 4th, they're just going to roll up there and even if the defense contributes or maybe even the kicking game, uh, they're going to put 40 plus on the hurricanes over in Atlanta. But it kind of leads me into this with how much this offense is expected to change. How do you think teams opposing defenses will approach this Alabama offense, starting with Miami in the season opener? Do you come out and you say, look, we're going to go back to sort of the way that defenses used to defend Alabama. That meant more man coverage on the outside, and we're going to focus on first and foremost shutting down that run game as best we can, and we're going to make this young quarterback and this transitioning wide receiver core show it can beat us. Um, or do you think there will still be some residual shock and awe effect <laughs> from the last couple of years where teams come out maybe in cover two and say, yeah, we're we're not sure we want to we want to load up on man coverage too much. Yeah, I don't think we'll see you know, a loaded box of eight men in there, but I do think that trying to stop the run and putting pressure on Bryce Young, that's what teams will try to do early on. I think Bryce is um, again he's a talented player. I think he's capable of uh, extending plays if that pressure gets to him and still making plays outside the pocket. Um, but yeah, I mean if if I was going into this game. I would just, you know, with, with some of the athletes that uh, Miami has, try to stop the run and to get after the young quarterback. And if those wide receivers, which, again, I mean, we'll see what happens in fall camp if maybe that narrative changes a little bit. But you have questions at the wide receiver position. You obviously focus in on number eight and try to shut down Betchy and, and maybe you know put some attention toward Jaleel Billingsley. But you know, stopping Brian Robinson and that crew of running backs and getting pressure in the face of, of Bryce Young, getting your hands up in the air and trying to bat balls down, that, that's what I would try to do. So um, will it work? Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see. You still have the, the, the wild card. I, the, the offense isn't going to change, but you have the wild card, card of a new offensive coordinator as well. You don't know what kind of tricks that, that Bill O'Brien will have up his sleeve. So it's a tough test, no doubt. But, you know, when you're talking about opponents and kind of changing the, the subject a little bit here, but taking Miami out of the equation, you also add in these non-conference games. And you're yeah. talking about getting to that 45 points per game margin, having a Mercer and a Southern Miss and a New Mexico State on the schedule. You can pad those numbers a little bit. You know, I, I started working on New Mexico State this week, and let me just say that was a chore given that they didn't play all of last season and they played a couple games in the spring. 
New Mexico State gave up 43 points to Tarleton State, and I had to Google Tarleton State. So yes. when you take into account that and then given Alabama's success in those season openers and neutral sites, Alabama can still, I think, get to that. You know, it's going to come down to what Bryce Young can do, um, you know, the offense in general, and then you know SEC play. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it'll be interesting to see how teams – choose to defend Alabama early on and maybe how that evolves as we see this offense kind of come into its own. Yeah. X factor in this too is Bryce Young's legs, right? Yeah. Whereas you talk about the concerns where explosiveness on the outside uh, is perhaps problematic, at least early in the season, you're going to have a quarterback in there that you got to go back to Jalen hurts where on every down, this guy can make a significant difference with his legs and not just in terms of runs or scrambles or things like that, but how he can manipulate a defense with his feet early, but then also by keeping his eyes up the field and being willing and able to find open receivers once he breaks the pocket or extends play. So, you know, I would think Bryce Young will provide the most rushing TDs in 2021 since Jalen Hurts uh, four or five years ago. And, and and maybe that's kind of the way I'm envisioning this thing, at least right now, is, okay, again, 18, 19, 20. Uh, it's almost not fair to compare any offense to that stretch. But uh, if I were going to go to maybe 2017, that might be more of what I would be thinking right now. Alabama in 2017 averaged 37 points per game, and it worked out just fine. Won a national championship uh, with Tua, obviously, coming off the bench against the George Bulldogs. Something else, Charlie, is special teams touchdowns for Alabama have been a big friend of the Crimson Tide. During the Nick Saban era, we've seen it in the punt return game, both on returns and even blocks. A couple of years ago, Alabama with Ali Cahoe, very adept at blocking kicks. Um, you know, here's the thing about Devontae Smith, too, last year that's crazy. You know, the guy averaged 21.6 per punt return. So whereas <laughs> Jalen Waddle went out and you're kind of thinking, well, there goes the return game. Devontae averaged 21.6 and he had five returns of 20 yards or more on punts. That was more than twice as many as his next nearest competitor in the sec last season and it kind of takes us down another rabbit hole i guess in terms of who could maybe be that guy in the return game on punts and maybe also kickoffs although it seems like it's becoming harder and harder uh to to put together those big returns in the kickoff game yeah uh just with the rule changes kickoffs are almost a, a moot point at this at this point but yeah i mean for me the spring was kind of hard to, to tell what was happening because in the scrimmages in the 8A game, and none of those returns were, were live. You know, that's kind of one of the bummers of the spring. But when you get into the fall, you know, especially when we're out there, at the, hopefully at the open practice, if we're able to get out there again and, and go to Brian Denny for that, you'll get a clear picture of just who they're, they're working in there. I think a guy like Keelan Robinson comes to mind as a kickoff returner. Um, you know, we've seen him in the past. I know you're a big fan of his. Um, you know, Slade Bolton is a guy that's returned uh, punts in the past. Uh, I think a guy like Jace McClellan can be back there on, on kickoffs. We've seen Jaleel Billingsley do it. So um, I think some of the young guys, too, it was interesting to see Jaquincy McKinstry as a, as a punt returner. 
uh, for the white team in the um, in the eight A game, and maybe that's a, a role he can carve out this season. You know, he's an electric playmaker as well. But yeah, yeah, I think if they can find a, a steady returner, that's also uh, an option. But you know, for just in terms of this team averaging forty five points or more. Um, you know, for a fourth straight year. You know, I, I like what you talked about with the, the 2017 team. I do think that Bryce Young is uh, more advanced as a passer at this point than Jalen was. You have to take into account, of course, his legs. And that's something that, you know, in the spring game, you could see, you know, he wanted to take off, but you know, wearing that black jersey, that kind of holds him back a little bit. And, um, you know, it, Again, though, he doesn't have the same weapons. Um, you don't have a Calvin Ridley or a, a freshman Jerry Judy, Henry Rose, or Devontae Smith. Uh, I think the development of the wide receiver position and what Bryce is able to do early on, that, that's going to go a long way in, in determining how many points this offense is going to be able to score. I think they're going to be able to score a lot, but seeing how you know a few of these things kind of pan out is going to go a long way in determining if they can get back to this mark for a fifth straight year. So there you go, a case for and against Alabama averaging 45 points or more per game for a four straight season. I think, I think, Charlie, we're both going under the 45, at least right now. Is that what I'm picking up here? Is that what I'm detecting? Yeah, I mean, but I, I think the case is still open. You know, I want to see um, what happens in the preseason um, you know, Nick Saban said it a lot in the spring, and I agree. One, because you had so many players out. You had, you know, 20-plus players out of the, the 8A game. You know, the, what we saw in that spring game wasn't indicative of what's going to be on the field in the fall. And then you add in now, you know, the transfers they're bringing in, whether it's a wide receiver, at inside linebacker to, to boost that defense, and now at punter. Um, you know, I, I think that needs to be taken into account as well, and as well as the guys that are coming in. Uh, you know, later this month, you know, as mid-year enrollees. So I think Alabama is going to be fine. But again, like you said, just because we're talking about this doesn't mean we're, we're you know, dropping anchor on this team and, and saying they can't win a national championship. We're just saying that. Be a little different, maybe. Yeah. The, the At least early. That, yeah. The offenses we've seen the last two or three years have been unbelievable. And to think that that could be sustained given the amount of attrition is kind of, you know, almost impossible. But, you know, if anybody can do it, it's Alabama, the way that Nick Saban and the company recruit. There you go. Charlie, as always, appreciate the time. No problem, man. It's always good to catch up and uh, I'll, I'll try to do some pull-ups and get back. Yeah. To I, we need a pull-up report by next <laughs> Monday. So okay. get on that in my best uh, Lumberg voice. That would be great. Yeah. I'll do it. All right, Charlie. We'll catch up soon. Always great stuff with Charlie Potter. Does a great job for us, of course, at Bama Online as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Bama Online podcast, if you don't mind. Also, a rating and a review while you do that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again for joining us here on the pod. Until next time, take care, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.